Hello, and welcome to episode 163 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And we're here to maybe answer the question, is Kamigawa Neon Dynasty Standard a good format? We're going to talk about it. Did, what did makes we, a good format, if yeah. we have one. Yeah. Did we do it? Yep. So if you want to chime in, you can find all of our social media stuff in the description. Yep. Uh, don't forget, if you're looking to pick up any singles, now is a pretty good time to get Kamigawa Neon Dynasty stuff. We'd appreciate it if you use our TCG Player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. If you guys want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Patrons get access to our show notes. They get access to our pre-show that we record every week just for them. And once in a while, I throw you something in the mail, too. It's pretty sweet. So chip a couple bucks in, support the show, and reap the rewards. Yeah. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, Casual Tryhard MTG on YouTube, where you can watch us record this video. Yeah. That's about what it is, but watch us record the video. Look at our smiling faces. And I'm trying to post videos a little more consistently. Yeah. I'm trying to do one a week. We'll see if that holds. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> If so no, make sure you check us out there. Yep. Um, did we get Discord? Uh, we didn't. It's in a link in the description with the rest of our social media. Oh, there Find we go. Find it there. I'm so come, used to talking uh, about it. <laughs> come join our Discord. Join our chat. It's probably the best way to get a hold of us. Um, it's pretty active. Lots of cool people in there. So make sure you join. All right. So for the first time in a long time, people are asking... God, I sound like the professor. Uh, uh, Many like, Magic the Gathering players. Ask the question, <laughs> is Kamigawa Neon Dynasty a good set? And kind of, probably. But probably. We kind of want to talk about like what makes a good set. Mm -hmm. so, and then maybe do some comparisons. Yeah. So like right now, I think every everyone that I've heard talk about Neon Dynasty Limited mm -hmm. has has liked it. Right? Yep. There's there's a lot going on. It's interesting. It doesn't have the problems that uh Val had where there was just like a handful of cards if they resolve the game ended. Yeah. Um and then you ha have like the constructed formats, particularly standard, that people are enjoying playing. Like me included. I hadn't played standard in a very long time unless it was like a midweek magic format or like I've uh, lost the game of of uh, the mini game of how to get into the event I wanted to, to play. Uh, yes. Right. If I lost that mini game, sometimes I played standard. Change the play blade. Now you're playing standard. Yes. Um, but like people care about standard now. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of weird. fun. There's a lot of cool yeah. stuff to do. So why do we think other than like limited is good and constructed is good like what about neon dynasty is letting this happen um that's kind of like the million dollar question right i think yeah. there's a bunch of things that make a good format and a good set um the first one we can kind of talk about a little bit i think is power level because that's i think that's typically what people think of when they think of a good set is how powerful it is um, you don't want something that's through the roof power level 
because eventually it doesn't matter how good it is. Eventually you're going to get sick of it. And if the power level is too high, that's all you're going to see for the duration of its life in whatever format you're playing. Think throne. Yeah. Like throne wasn't super egregious when it first came out. It was very powerful, but like people weren't saying, Oh, this is the most powerful set we've ever had. At least not right out the rip. Yeah. About a week or two in, it was like, Oh yeah. A couple weeks in was a whole different story, but yeah. But um, from the beginning, it didn't look bad, but you did, like you said, you ran into just like, how many times have you like been brazen borrowered in the last like yeah. three years? And you're just like, uh, can I not? Can yeah. we, can we not brazen borrow me? Yeah. Um, um, like I think in limited, like I said, like there's been some problems, especially with like Val, where there were cards that were like super ridiculously pushed in limited, mm-hmm. but then weren't good enough for constructed. So yeah. it was this weird thing where it was like, what was that demon, that seven drop demon that like you sacked a creature and you made another demon? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was his name? I, I don't remember what his name was. Or, what is, or then was it, is it Averbook Caretaker is the green mythic? Yeah, the six mana hexproof book counters on stuff. Yeah. So like that's seen a little bit of play in Constructed. The demon has seen like none. Right. Right. Like they weren't there for Constructed. Mm-hmm. but they ruined the limited environment. Yes. Right? So it's like you couldn't even like say like it's okay. They needed this uh, they needed to put this card in for constructed. I understand. It was like no no, this was just here to ruin limited. Yeah. And Kamigawa doesn't have any of those. And at least not that anybody's found so far. No. And we've played enough limited that there's not like we would have we would have figured out if I don't know, Thundering Raiju was like busted yeah the number Unbeatable. of times I've, I've attacked with thundering raiju and been like oh you don't fly <laughs> yeah you're a four mana red creature with haste you're supposed to fly like this you're supposed is supposed to be a dragon you're supposed to be a dra- you kind of look like a dragon i guess you're like an angry yeah. dog i don't know um it's a spirit it's a spirit yeah but like so like the power level unlimited is fine and there aren't any like egregious cards for constructed mm-hmm. right like constructed recently and we talked about this on the pre-show a little bit has had a lot of like there's been a like they make a set and it seems like they make a set and they go i want these like six cards to be played in standard mm-hmm. and so they're like well if i want those six cards to be played in standard i have to make sure they're really good Right. Think and the Titans from Theros Beyond Death. The Titans or, yeah. you know, Goldspan Dragon. Yep. Or uh, Azekas Chariot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, those were aggressively costed because they wanted them to be good and, and constructed, I think. Yeah. And what happens with that is if you miss a little bit, right, when you design a card specifically to go into a format, mm-hmm. if you miss at all high... The card takes over the, the format. format. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Kind of think like Modern Horizons 2. Yeah. Where it's like, we want these cards to get played modern. Oh, they're the only cards that get played in modern. It's like, we missed. We wanted them to mix with 20 years of history, not erase right, not it. take it over. Right? And like, you know, um, using the throne example, right? 
throne kind of like erased the the uh the rest of that standard to some degree Mm -hmm. right i mean there was like it was it was a a mix of messed up things but you know fires of invention like that deck just used what is the best five drop yeah it didn't matter what it was or what set it was from it just mattered that it was a five drop yeah and so like you just had like oh i'm a fires deck and that's all i'm gonna do and then like Mm -hmm. oh like I'm the adventures deck, and that's all you can do, mm-hmm. and so like we don't have any of those like really egregious, you know, uh, outliers where I always call them like elevens, right? Mm-hmm. Like the scales should be like one to ten, and then for the last couple years, it seemed like in every set they were like, here are three elevens, this yeah. is what constructed's about now, and so we haven't done that, mm-hmm. and. At the same time, for the format, we have banned a lot of the 11s. Yeah. Right? Like, well, most recently we banned Elrond's Epiphany. Mm-hmm. And, uh, right, like that just opened up way more like deck space mm-hmm. for you to actually be able to play. So, like, the format has less of those cards that are just like, oh, like this resolved. I guess I die now. Yeah, it, it certainly feels like you have agency at later points in the game where it didn't used to. Yeah, I mean, we came off of like, what, a year ago, it was Saltite Ultimatum into like, yeah. you just don't take another turn. Well, I got Ultimatum today and was on the verge of scooping. And I was like, oh, wait, what are they getting? <laughs> and I ended up coming back and winning the game. Yeah, like in Historic, I guess. Yeah, yep. Um so yeah, they just they have um you have less of those things that just kinda like are way off scale. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Now it sucks that it took them like banning a bunch of stuff to get there. It'd be nice if every if every set kinda was like you know, here are some nines and tens, but they're not mm-hmm. like our tens aren't so far above the curve that it it um, yeah. it it invalidates everything, but so like I think one of the things about this set though is that it has some powerful cards, um, but the synergies I think are what are nines and tens, and not necessarily the cards themselves. If that makes sense, yeah. So like, Grease Fang is a powerful card, as we mm-hmm. talked about a couple weeks ago. The perfect card, right? Um. It's a powerful card, but it requires you to do stuff around it. Mm-hmm. It's just not like a a like raw like stat monster, though. Right. You know, it's, imagine six years ago me saying one black white four three, and then going not a stat monster. You've been like, what? Are you, this card's insane. And, <laughs> and then it has text that's not like you take four, you hit, you lose four life each upkeep. Oh my gosh. Sacrifice a creature every time. Yeah. Right. But, right, in terms of like, it's a fine body, but like, you're not playing it for the body, you're playing it for the text, but you have to build a certain deck around it. And for the longest time, we got Goldspan Dragons or uh, Chariot again. I guess I'm just taking from Keldheim. uh, Mm -hmm. That were just like, 
if I can play, if I'm playing lands that produce these colors, I have to play them. I have to play yeah. these cards. They're cards right? that don't matter what else is around them. Yeah, like Skyclave Apparition is yeah. similar. It's like, this card's really good. It doesn't matter what is around it. It's just a good card. I'm going to play it. Mm. And Kamigawa has given us a lot of cards that are like, like you said, it's like, I'm a five and I'm a five. But if you add us together, yeah. we make two tens. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, so I can build a deck around this. Like, this is something I I complained about at the time. But now, in retrospect, uh, <laughs> I, like, I complained, like, around the, like, Khan's Dragons era early on about, like, it felt like a lot of things were, like, it doesn't matter what these cards do. It's just like, I'm going to put the most powerful, like, Abzon cards in a deck. And yeah. there was, like, no synergy. And the deck building was just, like, identifying the 34 most powerful yeah. uh, Abzon cards. And then the um, and then the 26 lands you needed to cast them. Mm-hmm. Right? This format is a lot more, like, I'm playing the enchantment deck. I need to have enchantment enablers and enchantment payoffs yeah i'm playing the artifact deck right only called anvil i've had games where like i've had two of them on the battlefield and not activated it because i didn't draw b i drew a and then only called anvil was like two mana do nothing it was like i have certainly cast only called anvils that ended up sacrificing themselves yeah right but it's then like Oni caught Anvil plus an artifact. You're like, oh, any artifact is now like a 10. Like all yeah. you want to do is draw an artifact to like get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And we've not had that. Like we've had, you know, Bone Crusher Giant, which was like, oh, ridiculous removal spell combined with, you know, or I guess reasonable removal spell that draws you a 4 3. Yeah. And it's like, oh, any. There's no deck building constraint. Deck building constraint is mountain. Right. Was I going to play mountains anyway? I was. Okay, cool. I guess I have to play Perfect. this. Yeah. So, like, yeah. we have the rate. We don't have the outliers, and the decks that are being played are rewarding you for building, like, a cohesive strategy. Yeah. As opposed to... Cards. Yeah. Right. So... Um, like, the opposite is also true, though. Like, you the set has to have some sort of power level in order for it to be a good set. You can't have like, I'm Ixalan. trying to think of a good example. Sure. Exelon. Um, like there was synergy there for you to build around, but the set was so underpowered that it didn't matter that the synergies were there. The synergies were no good. Yeah. Like the, this, the, the, the synergy payoffs weren't good enough to justify yeah. you doing them. And, I think that we'd be talking about um, Kamigawa maybe in, for standard at least, in terms of Ixalan if they hadn't spent the last six months just like banding, banding random broken things. Yeah, that would have invalidated the synergies that it was yeah, trying to set up. Right, because like, you know, you people still go over the co- top of Oni Cult Anvil or, mm-hmm. you know your like enchantment deck sometimes right but could you imagine if you just knew that like 
turn six every game, someone was going to take an extra turn and yeah. get two birds. And then turn seven, they were going to take two extra turns and get four birds. Yeah. Right? Like, it wouldn't matter what you had, like, I, I did eight to them with my Oni called Anvil. It's like, oh, I guess I'm dead. So, right, mm-hmm. like, like I think Ixalan, though objectively not a powerful set, also gets a bad rap because, like, you had Kaladesh, uh, Kaladesh behind it. Uh, well, Kaladesh before it, and then uh, what came after it? Gosh, this is Amonkhet. I, I guess Amonkhet didn't have anything. Well, yeah, Glory, was... had, had a Glorybringer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, nothing. Glorybringer and like commit memory were like the and approach, right? Oh, so yeah, like, so like you know, it was hold on, we're gonna play mono blue and try to like counter an approach and mm-hmm. get there. So yeah, you context is important. I think if we had like. No bannings in standard. I don't know if Kamigawa gets there. Maybe not. So, so sometimes you are you are a good set, but you are like a victim of circumstance, mm-hmm. where you're just like, oh, this doesn't super matter. Right? That makes and, sense, right? Because like, again, like if it was just like he were always going over the top of you, you couldn't do nickel and dime little stuff, right? So. And like you couldn't, you wouldn't have time to assemble your synergies. So, mm-hmm. all right. And now you say the, here that it's, it's the set is broken in a good way. Slash, like the things that they did that are broken are like safe. Well, not necessarily that the set is broken in a good way, but like individual cards, mm-hmm. like the way that they distribute the power. Like you said lately, they've been making a lot of like elevens. And, you know, we talked about them kind of breaking those 11s into two pieces and maybe having two fives that make a 10. Um, But the way that they distribute that power is important, too. I think last week we or you had briefly mentioned like how powerful Besaju was. Mm -hmm. Like that's a decent place to put power, though. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to have a card that's powerful, it's a good, strong answer that's maybe less relevant in like standard mm-hmm. more geared towards enfranchised players people that are playing other formats and it being an answer isn't like just gonna run somebody over and it's also like a fair answer like yeah. they get to replace whatever you're blowing up so it's not like it's super one-sided like the part that makes that card really good is that it's in your mana base and you don't have to waste a spell to play it um and that's like a good use of power you know what i mean yeah where it's it's something that it doesn't end a game it's annoying right mm-hmm. getting your oni called anvil it's all we've been playing is red black artifacts getting your oni <laughs> getting your oni called anvil blown up in your best of one game against mono green oh. is annoying but it's not like they printed a like one mana like three three in green with trample. Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, oh I oh they had their one mana three three. I guess I died. Yeah. Right? Like I, I had no answers. I lost. So like making it answers and like a conditional answer is good. And, and like a symmetrical answer. They get their card back. So Yeah. But I mean again, things like oh gosh. Uh is it Hanata? The Jeskai 
flying Legend. thing. Yeah, the four yeah. four, right? Like that card is powerful, but it's a creature, so it's fragile. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like you've got to put A and B together, right? Yep. You've got to have that plus you have to have magma opus to mm-hmm. have it do anything, right? Because I've had opponents just resolve it and then not have the next thing, and it's just like a four mana flying idiot that doesn't mm-hmm. do anything they like resolve it and then they still lose right right and it's like oh okay well that's reasonable um and like the things that are broken in this set like nothing breaks uh mana right everything yeah. is you tap x lands for this spell there's not like a bunch of free things now the the channel things are uninteractable on the stack Mm-hmm. Which can be annoying, but like their effects for the most part aren't like game warpingly, uh, uh, like game warping, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's naturalize, yep, um, a ramp spell, a bad cultivate, mm-hmm. uh, a bad counter spell, yep, right? So like you had these things that are like. It'd be nice if you could counter their ramp spell, but like not the end of the world that you can't. You just get the thing that they ramped into eventually. Right. So yeah. they do lack some interaction, but they're not bad. They're not like, well, oh man, they did this and this is no fun. We also have the marches. And we talked about the marches in our set review episode. Mm-hmm. Um, because we always say to pay attention to cost reducers, free spells, yada yada yada. But like these spells, the way they're designed you always have to pay some amount of mana for them. So they're never just free Mm -hmm. and the effects don't put you ahead on cards at all. Like you kill a thing or you, you know, fog the board or whatever you're doing. They're not, you don't just get to turn the cards into your, in your hand into an advantage, Mm -hmm. which is a safe way to put or a safe place to put power. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, It'd be different if it was like, you know, if exiling the white card gave you four towards yeah. X, right? And then it'd be like, oh, I'm willing to pay one in a card to kill your four drop. Yeah. But like one in a card to exile your two drop is less appealing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, I'll find probably some... worth more than two mana in your hand. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll find some way to deal with this, right? I'll, yeah. I'll wait. Um. So, yeah, like they put they put some power in like, answers that are like reasonable i also mm. was sad when i found out that march does not get planeswalkers oh yeah yeah i was like oh i'll put some marches in this bant deck because it'll help me deal with planeswalkers I'm like why oh this doesn't deal with planeswalkers <laughs> why does this not deal with planeswalkers like explain to me uh like just put like i don't know all permanents or something <laughs> Uh, like I understand why they laundry listed it so you could get like creature lands, yeah. but still wanted to get uh, planeswalkers. But yeah, they haven't. There's nothing that is like the powerful cards aren't oppressive. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, like we've made powerful cards that are oppressive and and snowball. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean that's another point that like I didn't actually have in the show notes, but we've been cl- complaining a lot in the last few standard formats that everything's just who can have the biggest snowball or the quickest snowball. Mm-hmm. 
And like, there isn't any of that right now. I mean, even a deck like Mono Green, right? You're like, oh, right. They go like uh, whatever uh, the three three for Green Green, mm-hmm. uh, pack Werewolf Pack Leader. Yep. And then you're like, oh, on turn four, they're gonna start drawing cards unless I like kill this thing, or they play um, what is it? Uh, Ranger class. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, if I don't answer this two two, they're gonna like. Make it a three three, then a four four, and then I lose the game. Yeah. Uh and we don't have any of those cards that just like run away with the game super quickly. Like again, like the the closest is like Oni called Anvil, but like it's doing one a turn. Yeah. Right? And so like it's not like it's this super fast clock. You have tons of time to find something to do to interact with it. Or and it only it, makes cardboard on your turn. So, like, it's... Yeah. You can't, like, save it up as interaction or whatever. You don't have the Witch's Oven problem where it, like, yeah. invalidates, like, attacking. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you have a ground creature? Yeah, sorry, you, you can't... That card does not matter. Because I just, sac- I just sack my guy and get a replacement. It's like, no, you only get on your turn. So... Yeah. um, So, like, they made that card safe. Like, it's... It's way closer to the uh, templating on uh, a hidden stockpile than I had realized. Yeah. But yeah, they made that card safe where they could have very easily made it. So like, you know, only activate, only trigger this ability once per turn as opposed Mm -hmm. to only on your turn, once on your turn. Yeah. That would have made like a big difference. So like they, I think they did a good job of, of making sure that none of the cards that they had like really... Uh, just take over the game by themselves and just like either are non-interactable or just are like, oh, um, uh, gosh, what was I going to say? I lost it. Like take over the game by themselves or just like accrue so much value that you just can yeah. never come back. Snowball. Yeah. I don't are know there where... any other cards that you think uh, were close to being broken but aren't or were safe places to put some power? Hmm. Like, um, I think we talked a little bit about Grease Fang. Grease like, Fang. That's a safe, safe place to put some power. It's a, a heck of an animations, reanimation spell that's fragile and needs a whole bunch of setup to work and requires you to play some bad cards. And like the reanimation a lot of times is a like one is a one off thing. Yeah. Right. Where like, you know, you get your Parhelion or, you know, your Azekas Chariot. And you have to get vehicles that leave something behind because the vehicle doesn't stay. Right. Right. And there and so like the only vehicle in standard that leaves something behind is like chariot. So mm-hmm. you've got to go into minimum three colors, probably four, so you can like get it into your graveyard. Yeah. And so it's nothing too too egregious. Um I'm still on the fence about brilliant restoration. Yeah. Uh, like it's like being seven mana, like they may have found the correct mana cost for it, mm-hmm. but it's like, right. It's super powerful, but it's not pushed so hard that it's broken. Cause like if it were five mana cards, like bannable. Oh yeah, for sure. Six, Insane at five mana, six mana. It's close. Yeah. Right. Like it's still like. Their second sunrise, and I forget what the other one is. Oh, is it not open the vaults? Is it open the vaults? Maybe. Uh, 
because it was like it was so like it's one that like brings back all of the your enchantments from your graveyard to the battlefield i think that was uh six mana so like seven mana it just seems like it's the sweet spot and the cards that it requires you to play aren't that good mm-hmm. right so you have that like yeah you have to make it there and the cards don't really help you make it there they do not they do not um i think that some of the like the the colorless vehicles reckoner bakebuster mm-hmm. right like you could have you could have missed with that ever so slightly yeah and it's like smuggler's copter yep but like they got it just right that it's not mm-hmm. and then uh what is the flame tongue kavu vehicle the uh, vehicle. four mana comes into play deals double damage e- deals damage equal to twice the number of vehicles you control uh, oh um surge hacker yeah right that's one that being colorless could have been a problem but yeah. like four mana to deal two damage to a creature if you haven't like built a deck around like I'm gonna have 12 vehicles in this deck so my surge hacker mech is always just flame tongue kavu yeah right like that could have been like way worse if it was just like enters the battlefield deals two to something or deals four yeah right then that's a little too too pushed so they like got the colorless vehicles right or pretty close to right mm-hmm. so again those are things that like they're powerful but they're not but they're like they ended up being safe they ended up being like at that right level, which is not something that we've done. And like brilliant restoration, uh, going back to it for a second, hit that nice spot of like, it's a commander card, a hundred percent. Yes, but yeah. I mean, think of Agent of Treachery was also a commander card, and we <laughs> we got our stuff stolen all the time. And yeah. so was Golos, <laughs> and so were like the ultimatums, right? But it was it's it's a commander card that also like works in like regular constructed, mm-hmm. and is not just like, oh, this is super oppressive, right? They made a lot of powerful cards that are aspirational, mm-hmm. and like that's I think when magic is at its best is when you're like, oh, hey, you can like you have a dream. You can reasonably live the dream, and the dream was worth living. Yeah. So, again, that kind of mirrors what I was saying about like how they distributed the power. Exactly. Um, a lot of the like really powerful cards that you know could have easily missed, they require you to build your deck in such a way that like the power is distributed amongst the cards. Is you it- need to have the synergy. Is it Kami of Transcendence? Is that the one in the green guy? It's something uh, of Transcendence. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Right? Like, that card is powerful. Same with, like, Light light Fang? Light Paws? Light Paws. Right? Powerful. They go in, like, a deck. Yeah. Right? And They like, want to do a very specific thing. Right? They're very powerful when they do it, but they're also limited by the power around them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of... Like we talk about with planeswalkers, right? The best planeswalkers are planeswalkers that you just play and are self-contained and do everything you want to do. Yeah. Right. They draw your cards. They protect themselves. Right. And, you know, these, and then the planeswalkers that don't get there are like 
Lily, the the Liliana that you had to play zombies. Yeah. Or the the Sarkhan that you had to play dragons. It's like, well, the dragons aren't good enough, so Sarkhan's not good enough. Right? Yeah. Kami of Transcendence, if the enchantments don't get there, it the the deck doesn't get there. And like they could have given it like hexproof or like mm-hmm. ward. But they didn't. So you can like still interact with it. Because yep. like that card's like unbeatable with like ward three. Oh yeah. Right, you just never win or like hexproof, you just never can beat it. Like they resolve it and you just hit the concede button. Mm-hmm. Right? But there's still game if they if they resolve that card. Yeah. And then the other thing is we're talking about value. Yeah, this is kind of something that I think isn't the same as what we've been talking about um, on the show for a while when we're talking about good formats, good sets. And that's that the set has to have like things in it that are worth opening to get people excited. Um, and not that, you know, it's just one chase mythic that's worth a bazillion dollars. Um, but the value kind of has to be spread out a little bit. And I know a lot of what we used to say about this doesn't really apply anymore in this age of collector booster, set booster, alternate frames, alternate art treatments, alternate foilings, whatever. Um, but the set like kind of does have some weird bits of value in it that make people excited to open the set. Um, obviously you have that giant neon ink, like super ultra rare chase Hidetsugu guy that's like a thousand dollars or whatever. Yeah, I keep seeing people posting on like uh like Facebook, like what one of these it's the red one is the super rare one. Yeah. Uh, have a thousand dollar budget. And I'm just yeah. like, dear God. Well start did you see the Star City tweet? They're like, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're buy listing these for eight hundred dollars. Like our buy list price for this card is eight hundred dollars. Send us as many as you want. That is wild. Yeah, crazy. So you have like the really high end for like, you know, the lottery aspect or the gambling aspect of the game. You know, people want to crack packs and get that $1,000 card. But like the set itself has some value in it too. Like those woodblock lands, they're like three or four bucks a piece. Mm -hmm. And they're not as rare as people thought they were going to be. They're just really pretty and people want them. So they're, you know, the price of a booster pack is one of those lands for the most part. Um, And then there's like multiple rares that are worth the price of a pack, which hasn't been the case in any recent standard set. Like, I think there's three rares that are worth at least four bucks. And I know Crimson Vow didn't have any rares that were worth four bucks. No, not really. So. And then you also have like the other, I guess technically they're neon, neon border or whatever the other showcase is. Mm-hmm. Like some of those cards are randomly worth like 10 bucks that you wouldn't normally think they are. So and in this like, set in particular, like they've, they've done a good job of spreading out the wealth and making people want to open packs. And I think that, you know, something that we kind of gloss over uh, sometimes uh, is like this is having a, big impact on like popper mm-hmm. and there's a lot of there's a lot of powerful commons and uncommons that even if you don't get that like chase rare 
you're like, oh, cool. I got, you know, this uncommon ninja. I got, you know, uh, whatever, uh, covetous, whatever, the the two four. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. cool, I got this neat ninja. Like, there's a bunch of, again, like, cards that give you that aspirational feel. At like, oh, I want to build a deck that does this. Mm-hmm. Or that can utilize this at, the com- at, like, common and uncommon. Like, we were talking about uh, the the raid, whatever, uh, the, the rat biker gang. Yeah. Okotobu or whatever. Uh, Right. Like, that's a common that that card is is good. And, like, Mm -hmm. if you get it, you're like, oh, cool. I needed one of those for a deck. Same with Mm -hmm. the the red uh, saga. You're like, oh, cool. Or whatever. Yeah. I needed that for a deck. Right. So you have, like, all these reasons to, like, play these cards other than just, like, or be happy to open them other than the fact that they're just worth a lot of money. Yeah. Right. It's like, Oh, gone are the days of summit prowler where you just like, <laughs> right. Like, I think this is a set that people are going to spend a, a little bit more time going through their commons and their mm-hmm. uncommons. Cause like we've all watched people open packs and they just go to the rare. Right. And like that is them opening the pack as they check the rare and they don't look at any of the other cards. Yep. Right, this has enough cards that do enough like neat things, like uh, patchwork automation. Mm-hmm. Right, like that. Yeah, card's that card's cool. Pioneer playable. Yep. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things that like to get excited about. That even if they're not like money value, they're cards that are desirable. Yeah. And like, even though the cards from Crimson Val and Midnight Hunt were, you know. Uh, had a lot of words they weren't <laughs> many of them weren't super desirable outside of the like well we want black to have a sweeper and i guess we want black to have a blood artist i guess we'll just make meat hook massacre yeah right like and like outside of those cards you know there weren't a lot of cards to get excited about at the lower rarities it's like infernal grasp and but like that's just a removal spell like you don't get super excited about a removal spell Right. Where, like, you know, this set, it's like, oh, like, like I'm going to... Blood Fountain is cool because it makes two pieces of cardboard, not because it's a cool card. Yeah. Uh, which, it makes two pieces of cardboard, so, you know, that's that's all that matters now. Yeah. Magic is all about how much cardboard can you get on the <laughs> battlefield now. And can yep. you utilize this cardboard once it is there? Yep. Um, But you have, like, just a bunch of cards that you're like, this is neat, I want to build a deck around this. As opposed yeah. to, you know, I don't really care about these commons and uncommons because they're not good enough. They don't do an, a, 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 neat, a unique enough thing mm-hmm. to, like, warrant me putting them in a, in a constructed deck. Because, like, every set has, like, the one in the white 3-1 with, like, set ability. Right. Right? And, like, no one gets excited about that card. You know, experimental synthesizer. It's like, oh wow, this is a wild effect we've not seen before. Yeah, I wonder what I. Different. Yeah, what can I do with this? And like mm-hmm. again, like magic's about like doing cool things and getting excited to try new things. And for yep. the last few years, magic's been about like raw rate. <laughs> Does it have an ETB trigger? And like that stops being fun. Because like, says, bro, put some words on the cards. Bro. How are people going to buy cards? Need beans. They like powerful card. Big dragon. 
make big dragon make <laughs> make it three mana we can't more make abilities three more ability yeah yeah it's like it's like okay well, how are we designing cards well just more abilities that makes them more yeah bro the more words we put on the cards the more they sell bro look at the chart more words <laughs> equals more beans and this is like okay i guess we're gonna put more words on these cards yeah yeah so yeah it's just not a it's a set that is wordy but like the words all seem like they do something and they matter yeah um when we whenever we talk about finance stuff i always say look for the cards that do something unique like something that hasn't been done before something that would be hard to put into a new set and there's like at common and uncommon there's stuff in this set that does something unique that's hard to reprint i mean um, all of the channel creatures yeah right mirror shell crab like mirror shell crab is a card that is not wholly embarrassing for its channel ability mm -hmm. and then like a fine thing to reanimate like mm -hmm. a we talked about last week the like in pioneer or not pioneer sorry in popper counter your thing with mirror shell crab and then play uh late for dinner to mm -hmm. get it back like that's a an an unembarrassing play pattern in like pioneer where you're like counter your three drop refurbish this yeah all right do you have like six mana to kill my five seven yeah and if you don't have the six mana this turn on turn four then <laughs> I'm just going to have another one and make you pay nine. Yeah. Right? Like And then do it again. And then do it again. Right? Like so there are these like so that card with channel, like channel has been printed in like exactly two sets. Mm-hmm. Right? And they were both Kamigawa, like fifteen yep. years apart or something. So, you know, if Greater Tanuki ends up being like secretly like a busted ramp spell. Mm -hmm. right like they're not you're not going to get another shot at greater Tanuki. no not for a long long time ninjutsu has been in kamigawa and, and a got, commander product and, and a uh, plane chase product yeah which were those were mostly reprints from kamigawa there's i think there's one or two new cards yeah a few, few new cards and then modern horizons yep like that's it so like you know, Moon Circuit Hacker is like taking over Popper, mm -hmm. but like, I don't know, it's 70% of, um, oh, what is he called? Uh, Ninja of the Deep Hours. Yeah. Right. And that card has seen like fringe legacy play. Mm -hmm. Right. They also like gave us better things to, you know, be ninja enablers, right? Uh, right. Thousand Face. Uh, Shinobi, mm -hmm. and there's another one drop or something. Uh, what the the network disruptor? Yeah, the tapper. Yeah, right. Like that's perfect. Like oh, they they like played a one one. You're like okay, cool. Like tap your thing, attack with my my fairy seer, put in my moon circuit hacker. Value great. Like yep, it's all amazing. All of value. Right? That's exactly what that kind of deck wants to do. And now it has the ability to do that, mm -hmm. which, you know, we haven't had uh, before. So, yeah, there's just all these cards in the fact that they randomly like network disruptors and artifact. Mm -hmm. Right. Like even the unique artifact creatures don't get reprinted as Tud. 
Right. Right? It's just like, oh, you know, Ethereum Sculptor, that'd be a cool card. It's like, yep, it's been printed twice. <laughs> like, once in Darksteel and once in Modern, uh, Modern Masters 1. Yep. And that's it. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of just unique things that you don't normally see. And then you have here uh, Fiddly Bits, which we are about Fiddly Bits. Yeah, I love the Fiddly Bits. I've mentioned them a whole bunch of times, and we kind of already talked about it. Um, all the different, like, little synergies that are in this deck. We kind of talked about it in how it helps to break up the power level or spread out the power level of a format. Um, but it also gives people something to play with. Like, it gives you something to explore. So I call it fiddly bits, but realistically, it, we're talking about like how deep the format is, both for limited and constructed. Um, and how, like, this kind of relates to how quickly the format is like solved or whatever. Um, but just all the different little things you can do. Like, I, I'm still learning stuff about this format. Yeah. There's so many, like little interactions that are cool. I, I don't know if they're intended or not, but like there, there's just so much to do. So many different decks to play. Yeah, there's there is a again, like there's there's that aspiration and like mm-hmm. the the joy of deck building. It's not just like, well, I gotta play Goldspan, I gotta play Elrond's Epiphany. If I'm not gonna do that, I have to beat Goldspan and Elrond's Epiphany. Yep. Right? It's like no, you can there's other things you can do. This is something they talked about on Arena Decklist. Uh, another reason this format might feel a little bit better than other ones is like you don't have because there's no organized play. There's not the same incentive for people to find the absolute best deck mm-hmm. and like play it. Where you know for the lifespan of Arena, right? There was I've got to find the best deck as quickly as possible because there's a uh, oh gosh fandom tournament on the first weekend that I've been invited to and I can win $5,000 if I win it. So I should probably get really good with the, with what I think is the best deck, you know, day one. Mm. And then there was a PTQ or a pro tour or something of like stakes to play. And now, yeah. Right. Or even just like getting to mythic. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that held way more cachet like two years ago than it does now. Oh, yeah. Right. And so now people are able to like play that deck that is not the optimal deck, but they enjoy. Mm -hmm. Right. Because now your incentives are to enjoy playing the game. Right. Because they've kind of stripped out the like, um, the like incentives to be competitive. And be mm-hmm. super spiky. So you get to just like have fun. And like if having fun for you is playing the, you know, green white enchantment deck, that deck's pretty good. It is pretty good. And like, is it the absolute best thing to do? Probably not. Hey, but I not died a- today to a, uh, the uncommon gold uncommon that, like lifelink makes your enchantments cost less jukai naturalist yeah i'd lost to him i think it's jukai naturalist yeah my opponent played uh machiko's reign of truth and made it like a 50-50 into machiko's reign of truth into copy the ability of that enchantment and hit me for like 20 something yeah yeah right like 
And again, is that the absolute best deck in the format? I'm going to say no. Yeah. But is it a fine deck in the format? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Right? It is a reasonable thing to be playing. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's fun. And fine. Like, you know, I think Oni Called Anvil is probably not the best thing to be doing. But it's, like, enjoyable if, like, you enjoy, like, those kind of, like, nickel and dimey, like, you know, find a way to win deck. Yeah. Right. Sometimes your way to win just is like, oh, I guess I'm gonna like Dragon Spark Reactor you for fifteen. Or so- wrath my own board. <laughs> yeah. Right. But like you there are things you can do. There's play to it. And yeah. so like that is like super enjoyable. Again, like Esper Grease Fang featuring Ezekiel Chariot. Fine. Like that is a fun thing. That could be a fun thing to do. It has a fail it has a fail rate. It's not just like you always win on turn three. Mm-hmm. Even with Parhelion, you don't always win on turn three. Right. Though, like, Parhelion, or reanimating a Parhelion in, in Historic uh, is almost like casting the second approach of the Second Sons. The number of people that, like, it hit the battlefield and then conceded, like, they exploded instantaneously. <laughs> and, like, you're at eight, and I'm losing <laughs> still. But okay, thank you. Yeah. I am still losing to your board. If you have a removal spell, I die. And they're just like, like, cool. Thank you. They must not have had a removal spell. They must not have. Um, Or like, uh, hang on real quick. While we're talking about Grace Fang. Sure. Um, I think we mentioned two episodes or three episodes ago. We're going to Dominaria this year Mm -hmm. and back to the Brothers War. Mm -hmm. Do you think we're going to get any sweet mechs that Grace Fang can turn on? Maybe, like Grease Fang is a card I think you can watch, because anytime they any vehicle that they print, mm-hmm. like makes him better. Yeah, and they went through a phase where they only printed garbage vehicles, and if right. Kamigawa, if they feel like they have vehicles dialed in after Kamigawa, right, then. Maybe they print more vehicles. Like, you know, you could have like a Parhelion style vehicle mm-hmm. as like a mythic, right? You know, we already have an uh, a Mishra's War Machine, but we don't yeah. have an Urza's War Machine, right? There right. could be some like giant mech, you know, that that is like you know a a, a mythic vehicle that like you know. If it deals damage to your opponent, they die or, you know, some ridiculous gloss, right? Um, 10-10 double striker trample, whatever, right? <laughs> right. And that just it makes would Gre- infect. Yeah. And that just makes Grease Fang better. Yeah. Right. So it's one of those cards that like it's like Stoneforge Mystic. Mm-hmm. Right. With way more steps and not as good. Uh, right. but like anytime they print new equipment, there's a chance that it makes Stoneforge Mystic better. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what's it called? Uh, oh, gosh. Colossus Shadow... Hammer. Oh, Colossus Hammer. Shadow Spear. Yeah. Right. They printed Colossus Hammer. Like, no one's ever going to play this. And it's now like the best deck in modern. Yeah. Right. And like it's held together by Stoneforge Mystic. So I don't ever think that Grease Fang can be like the best deck in a format. But like you could definitely like see them printing a giant vehicle that 
conveniently has crew four. <laughs> well, like crew four is, I think, like in normal circumstances, a reasonable number. Like it's high enough where it's something you have to work for and it's like a real cost. Like crew like, one and crew two aren't like a real cost because you're almost always upgrading into mm-hmm. the vehicle. But crew four reaches a point where like you might start downgrading the amount of damage that you're doing. Like crew four is crew four has been unplayable. Yeah. There's never been a vehicle that is played that has been played consistently that is crew four. Yeah. Right. And so like right, why I said like conveniently crew four is like we could make this crew five, but Grease Fang exists. And yeah. that is something that like for maybe the next year or two, right? If they do have a big dumb vehicle, right? Where they're like, well, maybe it needs to be crew five, but it's like, well, let's make it crew four so someone can try to live the Grease Fang dream. Yeah. Right. And that's something that could happen going forward. So I hope like having Power Helion plus another thing yeah. would do would do wonders for that deck because I was playing uh, uh, in one of the, I think it was the, maybe it was the, it was the Ixalan event, the like Ixalan forward, the midweek magic. Mm-hmm. I was playing Esper Capo cars and uh, <laughs> that did I win some games on turn three? I did. Did I literally do nothing for like twelve turns? I did that too, <laughs> right? Like, like I was like I could use another car, right? So, no, it'd be it'd be great because again, like Grease Fang is the perfect card. It is. It's everything you want. Um, it's a good place to put power. It is. So, I think for for limited, we were talking about like what are other formats we can compare this to. I think. Kamigawa probably compares you have your cons and Dominaria. Well, just because they were like sets that are regarded highly for decent standard and limited environments. I think for um, for limited like Neon Dynasty I feel like has a chance to be an all-timer because Mm -hmm. like I feel like there's a lot that can be done though like apparently according to 17 lands my my favorite archetype isn't very good um like red uh, blue red artifacts apparently isn't very good yeah uh but um it feels like all like the color pairs are playable mm-hmm. and like you're gonna get a lot of play out of all of your decks and like cons was like that and dominaria was just like a format you could play like a million times yeah, it never right. gets sick of. Yeah, it was just great. Um, and I think in standard, I don't, know, I don't have the best, the fondest memories of Dominaria in standard just because of Teferi, uh, uh, whatever that big one is, Hero of Dominaria. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, like, were there any other cards from Dominaria that really, like, impacted standard? Chain Whirler? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, again, that was also a dark time in standard. <laughs> and, um, but that, and that wasn't really Chain Whirler's fault, though. Yeah. Lenoir Elf? Mm. Yeah. The uh, the wizard stuff? Gitu Lava Runner? Oh, the Mono Red. Wizard's Lightning? Stuff. Yeah. 
So I guess it did do a lot of reasonable stuff. Um, I think it's early to say like uh, Neon Dynasty could be like of Benalia. Uh, uh. I mean, there was a lot of stuff in that set. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. There was more than I remembered. As you're going through it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. Um, it's early. Um, yeah. but like I think that like comparing Neon Dynasty to those other formats. Or other sets in terms of like standard, like I've said before, we're in a different standard environment. Yeah, right. like I I didn't necessarily want to compare Neon Dynasty to like Cons or Dominaria. Um, I meant more like, are there things that we can see that all of those generally well-regarded sets have in common? Like, is there okay. something that Neon Dynasty does that? cons did also like is there something that made cons a good format that also makes neon dynasty a good format in limited like i've i've done 17 kamigawa drafts it and i did probably infinite contrasts yeah um way more than me i think i did four or five contrasts <laughs> yeah. oh i was doing four or five a week yeah, I was I was super deep into standard at that point. Yeah, I wasn't I was, really a limited player. I was doing tons of them. Um you could like you could draft archetypes that were like you could be, you know, the whatever wedge or or two color pair mm. and have a deck that like played out differently. Yeah. And so like I feel like this set has that same thing where yes mm -hmm. there's blue red artifacts but it feels like there's a bunch of versions of it and yeah. there's a like green black they just gave up they're just like it does graveyard value <laughs> stuff we we don't know right but like you know cons you could sit down and just be like i'm taking every dual land in pack one mm -hmm. and then i just get to take any card i feel like in pack two and pack three and this deck will turn out fine Right. And like the the smoothing mechanic, right? The smoothing mechanic in cons was morph. Yeah. And like with like some of the colorless activations, like you kind of for channel stuff, you get some smoothing that way mm -hmm. in, in this set. But I think it's just more they're a set that's not super on rails. Like you yeah. think about like Strixhaven, Strixhaven was kind of on rails. Yeah. And evolved into like a one deck format. Mm -hmm. And um, this is more of a sandbox. It is. And like, apparently there's like a whole like world of this draft format. I have not experienced. Oh, which yeah. is um, I've been very like committed to like, I'm two colors. I have been also. Apparently people are talking about this is just like a wild five color play whatever you want format. Yeah, and how's that work? I, like, they're talking about what was the Kami War on, like, limited resources. Like, oh, yeah, that card's great. You can totally cast it. It's fine. And I'm like, like, apparently, like, we're in different queues. Yeah. Uh, just, but, like, I think, like, I've definitely played against, like, four and five color, like, stone no fixing decks. Hmm. And I'm just like, how how is this happening to me? Um, But, like, there's like that whole angle that I have not experienced. And I don't know if I'm like my opinion of the format 
in terms of like speed is colored by the first like, like yeah, that week could be. of drafts. And now it's settling out. And it settled out. But like, you know, you have to you have to have a two drop. Maybe it doesn't yeah. have to be an aggressive two drop, but you can't just not do anything on two. Um but you I I think there is some something to be said for like a format that well is not a five color format is a format you can play five colors in. Mm-hmm. Right. And that like does something. I don't remember if Dominaria was like that. I'm always like a very much I'm drafting two colors because I want to cast my spells. Yeah. But like, yeah, Dominaria Dominaria was pretty focused on like the legendary uncommons. Mm -hmm. As I was going to say, you like you had the legendary uncommons that like were like super like signposty build around. And like, I feel like a lot of the uncommons, the gold uncommons in this set are similar right like the mm-hmm. the white black one is like terrible if you don't have an artifact and an enchantment yeah um the blue red one is fine but it's great if you have an artifact so yeah. just like there there's some similarities there where like the the uncommons in dominaria were more built around mm-hmm. and so like that kind of like told you what you were supposed to do and like paid you off for doing it. And this set feels like that as well. Well, yeah. And that kind of goes back to the synergy thing we were talking about mm-hmm. where like the, synerg- the uncommons and Dominaria wanted you to do a specific thing. And the, you know, there were multiple specific things they wanted you to do. Um, but it, it kind of led you down a path. And I think neon dynasty is the same way where there's different synergies you can explore and different ways to get to the same end. One thing that I liked about Dominaria was it had good removal. Yeah. And so like it didn't it felt like if your opponent resolved something, there was a good chance you were gonna be have an answer in your deck or mm-hmm. even like in your hand. And Neon Dynasty, the the removal is fine to good. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But on the other side, there's not a lot of things that if they resolve you lose. Like we yeah. talked about. So with the removal not being as good as Dominaria, you're still end up in the same place where there's very few single cards that like end the game. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's been like, you know, some of the previous formats, like the you know, the the Innistrad formats were fine, but they just had cards that like stopped the game. Yeah. Right? Uh or like you find out like pretty early on that like, oh, I'm supposed to play blue black in Midnight Hunt. And no other cards. Blue and black cards. Take them <laughs> So Just that. So I think in the end, like, we have a set that is pretty good, both in limited and constructed. I and agree. This, this is the first time that, like, I've been like, I should play some standard. Like, I think I uh, texted you on Friday. I was like, in between classes while I was grading, I played, like, three matches of red-black artifacts in standard. Yeah. Which would like never happen. Well, I mean, it's also wild because it's not like your style deck. Yeah, I, so I did not play bit. hidden. I did not play hidden stockpile back in the day. <laughs> did not. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun, and yep. like that's something that we've not been able to say about standard for a while. Standard has been a chore. Yeah, I uh, purposely wrote the show notes um, without including goat or Alzheimer 
because I think it's definitely still early in the format to yeah like, like put the stamp of approval on it. But I th- I'm really enjoying it, and like the sentiment that I'm getting, you know, from all of the places that I follow is that it's they're also really enjoying it. I think that it's um, we've had a lot of like consistently good limited formats, and let's say that like. You know, over the course of Magic's history, we've had, like, recently, if you look at all the sets, we've had a lot of sevens, right? Yeah. Right. You know, above average for, like, historical Magic limited sets. Yeah. And so I think we get skewed when, you know, we expect limited to be good, and Kamigawa is better, but, like, you know, maybe it's an eight or a nine, probably it doesn't it might not raise to a level of like a 10 like all timer but yeah. it's better than the recent formats and the recent formats on average have been better than like average that magic format. average formats from you know years ago yeah right so like i think we have to at one point we're gonna have to like stop and recalibrate and be like okay we have like modern limited what are these formats on a modern limited scale? Because there's just not like been just like a, there's not been a garbage limited format in a while. Yeah. Uh, where you're just like, oh, this is just like awful. I'm trying to think of like yeah. the last one. Uh, Origins wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, think I played any Origins limited. There was, oh gosh, remember the renowned mechanic? Oh, yeah. The like the best common that you would take over like almost all the rares was like one and a white for a two two with renowned. Yeah, because like it, free blade. Yes, if it because yeah. if it got in, it was a three three and just bigger than anything your opponent could do for the next few turns. Like I remember yeah. first picking those happily, <laughs> being like, "Oh yeah, I got my my topin free blade or whatever." Um, but yeah, like we don't. I think like that we're going to look at it and like I'd say that Kamigawa is probably the best limited format in the last year. Mm-hmm. Right. And we had, we had five limited formats last year, right? Yep. So I think it's better than any format in 2021. Um, I don't know. Is it better than modern horizons limited? I mean, you probably didn't play Modern Horizons. No, I, I didn't. I didn't. I was just thinking of standard sets. Like, I don't yeah. know. The, oh, the it's mo- certainly the best standard limited. Yeah, and I'm trying to think what was. So, 2020, a million years ago, yeah. right, had Theros, which was good. Probably on par with Kamigawa. Coria. Ikoria. Uh, can't be an all-timer or can't be. I don't think it's better than Ikoria. Uh, uh, Kamigawa just because of Zenith Flare. Yeah. And then... Zendikar, Kaldheim? Kaldheim was in 21. Was it 21? So then just Zendikar? Yeah, just Zendikar. And what was the summer set? That wasn't D&D. Was that a core set? Yeah, and that was... Core 20, whatever. It was was a core set. Core 21? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's the best set since, like, Pharaoh's. Which yeah. is saying something because most of the limited environments have been fine. Mm-hmm. So with all of that, I think we have a show. I agree. We have a show. So 
if uh, you want to get us on social media, uh, check out our description. All of our links are down there. Including the link for Discord. Including the link for Discord. We forget Discord this time. (laughs) If you want to support the show, we would appreciate it if you bought your Kamigawa Neon Dynasty singles using our TCG Player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. And if you want to support the show a little bit more directly, hop on over to patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Chip a couple bucks in to help keep the show going. You get access to our show notes. You get access to our pre-show. And once in a while, I send you stuff in the mail. So hop on over there, support the show, and we really appreciate all of our patrons. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. And so with that, we'll catch you on the internets. We'll catch you on the internets. <laughs>